If you're turning with me today, you're going to be uh, turning to Psalm 39. Psalm 39, um, starting in verse 4. So today, I want to talk to you about today. Sound pretty good? Today, we're going to talk about today. Why? Because today is the most important day that you have. Today's it. And a lot of times we miss today, either stuck in yesterday, or thinking about the past, good or bad, the good old days, the glory days, or it could be the bad things in the past, abuse, it could be mistakes that you made. But we talk about that a lot. It comes up occasionally that like we get stuck in the past. Or we can get stuck in the future. Well, one day things are going to be better. Well, one day I'm going to get things figured out. Well, one day when I retire, I'm going to enjoy my life. Or one day when I'm, you fill in the blank. And so we're just waiting on the future to actually enjoy ourselves or to be the person that God's called us to be or, or to really live our life. When really we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know how much more time we have. So if we're saving up everything that God wants us to do for someday in the future or, or we're praying that one day I hear people talk about how God's going to pour out a revival like we've never seen on the church in the last days. One day, just hold on, brother. Keep being faithful. Well, that's not scriptural. Because through the Bible, I read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's not a greater anointing that's going to be poured out in the future. And there wasn't a greater anointing poured out in the past. If we believe He's the same God. Then the same God is here today that was in the past and that will be in the future. The same God, same power, same resurrection, same blood. Today, here, now. The question is, will you seize the moment? Will you seize the day? Will you take advantage of the day? Because most people won't. Most people don't. Most people, like I started this out with, are either stuck in the past or looking to the future or the real messed up ones of you are doing both. Past, future, past, future, future, past. <laughs> We're not a hand-raising church. I've tried that a few times and everybody in here, there's, we got a few people that are so rebellious they won't raise their hand. Like, Raise your hand if no matter what I ever said, you wouldn't raise your hand. I got you. <laughs> okay, back to the message. <laughs> You're not promised tomorrow. But this moment in time, right here, right now, this moment is yours. And you're here now. You have breath in your lungs. And you chose to be here at church with your, with your family, your friends, your community, the place where God's called you to be this morning, to get the word of God. You're here. You're connected. You're here. You're now. Will you get the most out of this moment? Or will you just think about what you're going to eat for lunch and how bad the Falcons are going to beat the Cardinals? I mean, is that all that going to be on your mind? You're going to go pick it. Save Dan Quinn's job. The 60 to 14 victory. Or will you be in the moment? Will you get all that God has for you right now? Right here, right now. Seize the day. Seize the moment. Seize the time that you have. Um, 
Tim McGraw chapter 1 verse 2 says, live like you were dying. And there's some truth to that. You think about it. Y'all remember, have y'all seen the movie A Knight's Tale? It was like one of my favorite all-time movies. I love the movie. And uh, I was thinking about that scene where uh, William's just a little kid. He's a little boy, if you hadn't seen the movie. And there's this guy, prisoner, whatever, and he's in one of those, I don't know what they're called, the, the big wooden stocks where they got it, it's around his neck and around both of his hands, and he's just watching, and, and they're watching a knight go by. And the little kid, William, he says, one day I'm going to be a knight. And the prisoner in the chains, in bondage, looks over and starts laughing at the little kid. <laughs> You're a peasant, the son of a thatcher. You could never be a knight. <laughs> you might as well try to change the stars. And the little boy, William, he looks at his dad and says, can a man change the stars? And his dad says, yes, William. If he believes enough, a man can do anything. I say a man or a woman that doesn't believe they can rewrite the stars, if they don't believe they can change the story, then they never will. You live your life believing you can't change the stars. If you believe that you can't rewrite the story, if, if you don't believe all that God says about you, you'll never change anything. You sure won't change the stars if you don't believe you can. You'll just either be stuck in the past or, or waiting on the future. Waiting on things to get better. You're waiting on my lucky break. And it may never come. The problem is you'll miss your lucky break if that's what you want to call it. Waiting on it. You'll miss it in the everyday, in the steps that you need to take. And you'll miss right now. You'll miss this moment. Some of you may have heard of the scholar Marshall Bruce Mathers III. He said, look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, would you capture it or just let it slip? Right, that's Eminem. <laughs> but would you capture it? Or would you let it slip? Every single day counts. There are no throwaway days. <laughs> we joke about that, like, you know, people will tell me, I joked last week about us being the most traveling at the that's not even right English, traveling this bunch of people. Our church is like every week, like half of them are traveling or out of town or at ball tournaments or all kind of stuff. And we joked about it last week. And, and Jesse said, oh, well, you don't have to put that much time into studying a message. This will just be a throwaway message because there won't be many people there. She was joking. But goodness. Maybe if somebody pull that door shut. 
But we think about that. Like we treat some moments in life like that. Oh, like this moment doesn't really matter. Well, this time doesn't really matter. But what if we treated every day and every moment like it mattered? Like it was our last moment. But what if you came into this worship service that we just got finished having, into that worship service, and you knew that this would be the last worship service you ever got to attend on earth? Your next worship service would be in heaven. Would it change the way you worship? Would you come in with some intensity? Would you come in ready to pour out? And even if the song list was, ah, wah, wah, even if somebody messed up on their parts and did, you know, hit a couple of wrong chords, I bet you probably push right on past it. Figure it out. If you lived like every day counted, there are no throwaway days. There are no throwaway moments. So look at Psalm 39, 4 and 5. David wrote this song. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. The measure of my days. How frail what it is that I may know how frail I am. He's saying, God, remind me how short time is. and Teach me to measure my days or in other words, to make them count. How do I measure every day? How do I make every single day count? Verse 5 says, Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand's breadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. When somebody dies, it really makes you think, like, wow, my problems aren't really that bad. You know, we, I mean, you have all these little problems and these things. And, and in the moment, we all, because of our selfish nature, we feel like our problems are the biggest thing going on right now. And in our mind, they are, and it becomes this huge deal. But then you have these, these moments where you, it's almost like you sober up from your feelings and your emotions and realize... I really don't have it that bad. It's okay. Like we, uh, there's there's this kid, and he's like a year younger than Sky, and he's still at West Harrelson. He played on Sky's baseball team two years ago, so Sky's like the next age up from him. So they played together a couple years ago, but he's a year younger, so I guess he's ten. And uh, we found out yesterday that he died. At a four-wheeler wreck. And he just got pinned under the four-wheeler and nobody knew he was out there for, they, they're guessing around 20 minutes and his dad found him out there pinned under it and rushed him to the hospital. Nothing they could do. You know, me and Jesse had, we're sitting there talking about some challenge or problem or, you know, something that seemed to be overwhelming and then you hear something like that and you think man no my problems didn't seem that bad after I thought about that I can't imagine losing a kid 
like losing one of my boys, not having those moments or those days. And at that point, what, what really mattered? Did it matter that you got a few hours of overtime that week? Or did it matter the times throwing the ball with the, with the boy? Life's short. And time is the most valuable thing we have. You need to realize that. Time is the most valuable thing you have. That's why people will pay you to come and give your time to work or to do your job. But see, you can work harder or you can work smarter and make more money. You can accumulate more money, but you can't make more time. You can't get more time. And once you spend it, you can't get it back. You don't get refunds. I wish you did. Because there have been some things I spent some time on. I like to go get a refund. I'd have kept my receipt. <laughs> I'm thinking of a lot of different ways I could go with that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> there have been some things I've spent time on that I would love to get back. Once you spend it, you can't get it back. Time is the most valuable thing we have. I was reading some stories of people, and now... In modern technology, we've gotten much better with this. But in the past, and it still happens occasionally, but in the past, this used to happen, I mean, I won't say quite often, but there are several different stories and cases that you can look up and read about people that were misdiagnosed with like serious diseases and told, you only have a certain amount of time to live. Like, you've only got six months to live. You've only got 30 days to live. We're so sorry. It's terminal. And it was wrong. Misdiagnosis. There's story after story of that happening. And so the people that that happened to years ago obviously found out later on they didn't have that. Like they weren't dying. So they've gone back and, and read and um, done like interviews with these people and stuff like that. And asked them, well, when you thought you were dying, what'd you do? And both, like all the people that they talked to and all the people that you look up and read the stories about and see like what they did when they found out they were dying, they both, they all fall into like one of two categories. Um, as soon as they found out you only have X amount of time to live, some people go straight to the bucket list. They go buy a, boat, a GoPro, start traveling the earth, skydiving, jump doing crazy things, riding bulls, trying to just bucket list. Whatever it is that they've had on their bucket list their whole life, they're trying to meet certain celebrities that they wanted to meet. They're doing all kind of crazy stuff. Um, and then the other category of people is it's all about relationships, they're spending every minute they got with their kids, their grandkids, their wife. They're going to people and apologizing. They're finding people from 20 years ago that, that they felt like they hurt or been carrying around unforgiveness. They're going around and, and like making things right with people, making their peace. They're, they're getting close to God. They're in church. They've be, they become labeled religious nuts because they're just all about God and people, God and people, relationships. If you 
which one would you be? If you found out that you only had 30 days to live, right now, this morning, you found out you have 30 days to live. Not around or about or maybe a little more. No, you have exactly 30 days. Would it change the way you live the next 30 days? What would you do? How? Just think about, start to think about that as we, as we talk just for the next few minutes about what would you do? Who would you hug? Who would you forgive? What would you let go of? What would you realize doesn't matter? What would you realize? Man, I've given so much time and energy and effort to what? Does that matter? Make a list of every single thing I do in my life and just go down through there and put matters, doesn't matter. Matters, matters, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. What really matters? I heard about old Bubba. He went to the doctor. And the doctor told him that he was probably only going to live three more months. He said the cancer had gotten pretty bad. And so old Bubba went home to Marie and said, Should I tell her? Should I not tell her? He said, I'm going to ask her a few questions first before I tell her I'm dying. So he went in and she said, how'd your doctor's appointment go? He said, oh, it went pretty good. He said, I got some questions for you. If, just say I died one day, would you remarry? Would you get married to someone? She's like, I don't want to talk about this, Bubba. I'm trying to cook dinner. He's like, come on, I need to know. There's some important questions I need to know. So she said, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm still young. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably get married to somebody else. You would? She said, yeah. He said, you let him sleep in my bed? She said, well, yeah, that's where I sleep. He said, well, would, hmm, would you let him drive my truck? She said, well, yeah, it's a nice truck. It's got low miles on it. Of course I'd let him drive the truck. He probably has some work to do. And he gets really upset. Starts pacing back and forth. She said, what is wrong with you, Bubba? And he said, I, just, I, I got a couple more questions. Would you let him use my ball glove and my golf clubs? She said, no, Bubba, he's left-handed. Let's read a Bible verse. James 4:13. <laughs> Time is short. <laughs> Seize the moment. <laughs> James 4:13. I think this is one of the ones I didn't give Sarah. <clears throat> Go to now. Ye that say Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get grain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. James is telling them, 
don't be these people that are saying, well, well, tomorrow we're, we're going to go over there. We might stay there for a year. And we're going to sell grain and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And He's telling them, you don't even know. You're not promised tomorrow. You're storing up all your good and you're storing up all your purpose and your love and your forgiveness and your hope and you're saving it up till tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Psalm 90, verse 12. Some people think that they just assume that David wrote this psalm, but he didn't. Actually, Moses wrote this psalm. So Moses, he's leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and went to set the people free. And Moses wrote this psalm. And verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number or take advantage of our days. He's saying, teach us to take advantage of our time, not waste time funny the guy that wrote this they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years I'm about he's praying God teach us not to waste our time they wasted 40 years teach us not to waste our time so we can apply our hearts to wisdom wisdom knows that every moment counts Wisdom knows that there are no throwaway moments. There are no throwaway days. So how do we use the time? Psychologists would say it's most of our time is filled with habits or systems that we've set up, that we've set in place, and now we're just kind of like robots. Like we set up all these habits in our lives of what we do, and then we just kind of do them without ever questioning without ever changing that up. It's not that we can't. It's not that we don't have the power. We just kind of fall into what we've always done and what's comfortable and things that we rut. We fall into these habits and these systems that we set in place. And it has great impact on the future. What if I asked you a question? Where will you be in five years? Like if you keep doing exactly what you're doing, where will you be? How strong will your relationships be? How, how much will you have built your legacy? How much will you have given to help other people? How, or is your life just about you? If all your dreams came true, would it help anybody else or would it just help you? Are you building a legacy or a dynasty? All right, so just for example's sake, if I told you guys, I'm going to take just this section right here, just this section, and Canaan just made it in, but Benny didn't. All right, so just this little triangle right here. All right, and I told y'all that we as a church have gotten ourselves in a good place 
financially by putting back a little bit. And so now what we're going to do is just for you guys right here, if you come up afterwards and give me a little bit of your banking information, that every morning the church would like to de deposit $86,400 in each one of your bank accounts every single day. All right, now the only stipulation, oh, Benny's scooting over closer to Canaan now to try to get in the triangle. The only stipulation is that you have to spend all $86,400 that day. Every dollar that's not spent by the end of the day, we're taking it back. So you can spend as much as you want of that money that day, and then we're taking it back. So I don't, I mean, what kind of things would you buy? I'm probably rolling up in all kind of stuff. I don't even want to see the truck Hunter would buy. <laughs> All kind of stuff, right? Well, that's how many seconds we have in a day. 86,400 seconds every day. They're given to you by God. Every day that you're alive, God gives you that many seconds. You get to spend them. And the ones that you waste or you don't spend, they're gone at the end of the day. You don't get a refund. You don't get rollover seconds. Now, hold on, doctor. I'm on my deathbed. No, I, I had a whole lot of wasted minutes. I was going to apply those now. Don't work like that. It's over. What are you spending them on? We all have the same amount of time. It's the great equalizer. I mean, you can be stronger or more talented or better looking or... Are all different things and you can work on things and get better at things and what but we all get we all have the same amount of time every day every single one of us from Alex to Donald Trump same amount of time I don't know why I picked those two as a contrast <laughs> no reason <laughs> we all have the same amount of time so um found some of these to be kind of interesting and humorous. Um, the average American over their lifespan. Now, this is an average, so these are all averages. The average American will spend 15 years looking at their phone. 15 years of your life staring at your phone. That's the average. Some of y'all are going to be above that. And the more holier ones like myself will be lower. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. 15 years staring at a phone. Watch a little Netflix. Two years. Get this. Average American will spend two years of their life inside of Walmart. <laughs> two years. Man, you'll spend 25 years asleep. Now, to me, I've, I've talked to God about that before. I'm like, that's a kind of a dumb idea. Why'd you create us to where we need to recharge? I'm going to spend 25 years of my life asleep. But he ain't answered me on that one yet. 
So the average will spend about 25. So I'm working on getting that average a little lower for myself. <laughs> You'll spend, I thought this was kind of funny. The average American spends 10 years of their life working. That seemed like a really low number to me. You spent 25 sleep. I feel like I've already worked over 10 years in my life and I'm only in my 30s. I don't know, maybe 10 years. Average, we're going, again, average Americans. I'm Alex the Trump. That's what, all, everything in between. You'll spend two years sitting at a red light. Two years of your life sitting at a red light. Now, we probably are the lower end of that average out here in Waco because we don't have any red lights. But we do go to cities that have them all the time. Two years of your life. So, if you're running around and you're spending your life with no purpose... There's no drive, there's no reason in what you do, then these things are just waste of time. These things are very frustrating. You get mad sitting at red lights. If you have no purpose, if you have no reason, if you're wasting those moments, I wasn't going to say this one, but you spend 92 days sitting on a toilet. Average. But I don't know if that adds into the 15 years screen time, because I know a lot of y'all are doing the screen time. and the, So I don't... Never mind, that's nasty. All right. With purpose, it all matters. And we're taking advantage of the time that we have. Are you building a legacy or a dynasty? See, legacy, it always begins with a vision, with seeing something bigger than yourself. Vision creates legacy. So big vision, big legacy. Here's my question. Will your dreams show up in eternity? Your big dreams, your big hopes and dreams, will it show up in eternity? Or is it all selfishness? If you got everything you wanted, how many people would it help? Could you number the people that it would help? If you got everything you wanted, the answer should be no. There'd be no number. It'd be so many. The difference in a legacy and a dynasty is a dynasty is how much can I get? It's all about me. A legacy is how much can I leave? How much can I give for the good of humanity? How much can I give to show love? God so loved that he gave, so created in his image. I love, I give. My time, my talents, my money, of who I am, everything that I am, I, I give. And when you are giving is when you look the most like God created in his image he created us to give to love to serve every day counts do you know there is power in now there's power in this moment right now faith is now 
Faith is not in the past. There is no faith in the past. You already know what happened. You already, there's no need for faith in the past. And there's no need for faith in the future. Faith is for now. You got to wait till the future to see what happens to then have faith. That's not faith. There's power in now. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now. It's only good right now. Look at John 2. John 2 verse 1. This is a familiar story. I'm going to show you something that I saw in this story. This is crazy. All right. Jesus hasn't done any miracles yet. The only thing we know about Jesus was he was a little baby Jesus, and then we got one glimpse of him when he was 12 talking to people, but he hadn't done any miracles, nothing. I'm going to start in verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So Jesus was just invited to the wedding. Him and all his buddies, his disciples. Now, at this point, it was kind of, probably kind of weird because he had this crew of dudes that were hanging out with him and walking around, but they weren't doing miracles or they didn't, nobody was like, what? So Jesus and all his little buddies got invited to the wedding. They show up. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? I don't know about y'all, but I mean, maybe your mama would let that fly. I know a lot of mamas that wouldn't let that fly. Hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. Woman, what's that got to do with me? Come on, Peter. Let's go get another one of them turkey legs. Woman, what's that got to do with me? Mine hour is not yet come. It's not my moment. It's not my time. I'm God's son. I've got this huge call. I've got to save the whole entire world. I'm going to step into purpose. Nobody's going to do it better than me, but my hour's not yet come. It's not my time. I'm here to dance on the dance floor and hang out. I ain't here to do no miracle. It's not time, mama. Jesus said his hour is not come. It wasn't time. He said that that moment wasn't for the miraculous. He was saying this moment is an ordinary moment. This is a throwaway moment, mama. I'm not here to do something big for God. It's not time. Verse 5, his mother said unto the servants. Wait, she didn't even answer Jesus. She acted like he didn't even talk. He said all that. And she said, yeah, wait, wait. She says to the servants. Whatsoever he said unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews. Containing two or three furskins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with oil. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, 
draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called to the bridegroom. And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth the good wine. And when men have well drank, then that which is worse. Now, before I read this next line, I've heard it preached this way. I'm pretty sure I might have preached it this way before. And, and, and I've heard it preached wrong. And I might have preached it wrong. Because... A good preacher will like to jump on this part and preach. It's save the best till last. Save the best till the end. But that's not what it says. Worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until when? Now. Right now. It didn't tell us it was over. It said you kept the good wine until now. Right now, in this moment, this is the best wine we've had. There was none better in this moment. Jesus said this wasn't the moment, but it was. There's power in right now. And then the next verse tells us Jesus began doing miracles. All throughout Cana and Galilee, Jesus started doing miracles and traveling around, and that was the start of his ministry. That's what got it going. Maybe that was God teaching Jesus, there's no more powerful moment than now. Right here, right now. Seize the moment. Take advantage of this moment right now. There's power in now. When's the best time to forgive somebody? Right now. Well, I'm waiting on that. I need a little more time. Well, hope you get it. When's the best time to bless somebody? And God laid it on some of y'all's heart to bless your pastor now. I'm just kidding. When's the best time to, to tell her your child how much you love them? Now. Don't wait. When's the best time to encourage somebody? If you were here last week, we talked about the power of encouragement and, and encouraging somebody now. When's the best time to love and give and worship? Right now. In this moment. This may be the last time you get. You never know. Look at Matthew 6, 34. We're about done. I'm going to wrap it up. Matthew 6, 34. This is where Jesus is talking, teaching the disciples about this chapter about um, bread and meat and food and clothing and where he's telling them even the lilies of the field are 
beautiful and they don't worry and all that. And he tells them in the verse right before this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things and all this stuff that you're so worried about and the stuff that you're stressed out about. If you'll seek God first, choose in every moment, in every day that he's your top priority, that he's first, then Jesus said all that other stuff, it'll fall into place. Right? It'll happen. It's real confusing to sit here and button up a shirt. Like you got to pay attention. You can't be talking to other people or, you know, trying to help the kids get out the door or something because you can get your shirt all messed up. But if you start with that top one right here and get it buttoned in the right place, well, then you can do other stuff or have a conversation with your wife while you just button on down. Why? Because that one's in place first and then the rest of them fall into line. It's the same way. You seek first the kingdom and all that other stuff that was driving you crazy and you were having to pull your hair out trying to figure out how to make it all work out. If you just seek first the kingdom, then all the other stuff kind of just falls into place. So the next verse, right after all that, seek you first. Verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If you're stressed out, it's because you're borrowing worry from tomorrow. And we get ourselves in such a bad way and we don't live now if we're just worried about the future and tomorrow and how am I going to figure this out? What am I going and And... God doesn't give us grace today for tomorrow. That's not how it works. His mercies are renewed every morning, and He gives us today what we need today. So if I've got a measure of strength and a measure of grace and a measure of mercy that's for today, and now I'm going to try to use that little measure of grace and mercy and stuff that was plenty for today, and I'm going to try to use it for the next 10 years while I sit here and worry and strength, everything that's coming up and going to happen. He hasn't given me the knowledge, the strength, the grace, the mercy, the maturity to deal with those things that are coming in the future. I will be more equipped to handle those things when they get here. I plan on being more equipped next Tuesday to handle things that get here next Tuesday. If I can put God first right now, seek Him first in these moments. It's easy to borrow worry. God gives you grace for now. You don't have what you need for tomorrow yet. You might get it today if you seize today. So take a step in obedience. We want the big. Uh, we want the shout. We want the miracle. We want the miraculous. But sometimes we have to take a step. Take a step in the right direction. Proverbs 16, 9. This will be the last scripture I read you. We'll talk for a minute and be done. Steps aren't glamorous. 
A man's heart deviseth his way or makes plans, but the Lord directeth his steps. In my heart, I make plans about what my life's going to look like, what way I'm going to go, where I'm going to be working, and what I'm going to do, and all. Like a man, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. God tricks us. God gets us where He wants. we got to just keep taking steps. Zechariah 4 says, Don't despise the small beginnings or the small steps. It's necessary. The little steps, they're necessary to get you where you need to go. you got to keep stepping. And it's easy to look at a step and say, Well, I, I don't have time for that. Man, I'm too far in the hole for that. Man, this relationship's too far gone for a step. That ain't going to do nothing. But that's a drop in the bucket. A step. I tried a step. But you, if you saw my finances, that $10 ain't going to do nothing. It's a step. It's a step. I was going to um, read you guys, but you already know the story. Um, remember Joshua? He became the leader of the children of Israel, and they were going to cross over the Jordan River, and that was a huge feat in and of itself. But as soon as they got over, there was a giant city called Jericho with these giant walls and a trained army on the other side. And he had to take a bunch of kids that had grown up walking around the desert, camping out and try to take that city. And then God gave them a plan that made absolutely no sense. We're going to walk around the city, around and around and around and around and around for six days, and nothing's going to happen. Yay! Oh, and be quiet. Don't say anything. Because he knew how negative people are that we'd probably... They'd talk themselves out of it by saying, nothing's happening, the wall ain't falling, this is stupid, he's the dumbest leader we've ever had, I wish we had Moses back. And the next day, half of them wouldn't have shown up. So, God didn't even tell Joshua that part. He threw it in. He's like, oh, and you're not allowed to talk. Go look at it. God didn't even say that part. Joshua made that part up. Smart, though. Good leader. <laughs> Don't talk. But my point is, they had to keep on stepping. They had to take steps around the wall. What did they want? In game, wall falls down. All enemy soldiers are dead. We take over and get all their food and their gold and silver and goods. And yeah, that's what we want. We want the miraculous. We want something huge. This wall that's in front of me, the impossible. I want to bust down the wall. That's what we want. With a shout. It says at the end, after they walked around the right amount of times, they all screamed as loud as they could and the wall fell and they all felt so powerful and they ran in the city and took it. Yeah, we all want to shout. We all want to see a miracle. We all want to see something big. We all want to be famous. We all want to be used by God in a big way. We all want whatever. But we don't want to take the steps it's going to take us to get there. Man, we don't want to take the day after day walking around when I see nothing. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Like, how am I not there yet? 
and you keep on stepping, taking steps day after day after day. See, my emotions, they like the shout. But what about the steps of obedience? When God says, go over there, and I, but I don't go over there. Come on, that's a waste of my time. I have to walk over there to get to the shout. We can't skip the steps. We can't skip the moments. We can't skip the days. Without the steps, the wall won't fall. In Acts 3, when Peter and John were coming up to the gate, if you go read the story in Acts 3, there was a lame man, and it tells us there that that the lame man was brought to the gate beautiful every single day. Somebody carried him there, carried him home. Carried him there, carried him home every day. And one day, but came along and he got his miracle. He got his healing. But the real heroes are his buddies that carried him there every single day when nothing happened. They carried him there every single day and he was still addicted. They carried him there every single day and he was still in his mess. They carried him there every single day and he was still in his problem. And they couldn't see. The wall wasn't falling. He wasn't getting better. He was still an idiot. I'm adding in different things. This guy was lame, but what is it for you? But every day he got carried to the gate called beautiful, to the synagogue, to the place where God was, to where he was supposed to be. And one day something big happened. After they took the steps, every day sets you up for one day. You ever seen a baby trying to walk? You're trying to teach a baby how to walk. And like holding on to their hands and trying to get them to walk. And then it all looks the same. You, the parent lets go of the baby and says, come on, I promise they could do it. Walk, walk. And the baby's like balancing. And they look and you're, come on, come on, take a step. Everybody's cheering, trying to get the baby to walk. And they're wobbling and they're like, they want to walk, but... They're so scared, and then, you know, what usually happens is they decide not to. When I did that, I feel like Favors kids do that a lot (laughs) when they were learning. For some reason, I pictured her kids when I did that. Um, But when a baby's learning to walk, you're, you're trying as the parent to get them to take a step, and they're scared. Because they're going to get hurt. They could fall down. They don't feel sure. They're not good at it. And that's how it is a lot of times when God's asking us to take a step. We're scared. We're not sure. We don't know what's over there. And we don't think we can do it. We can't. The reality is we suck at walking. Because we hadn't been taking steps. The only way you get good at walking is to start taking steps. And you get better and better. Come on, take a step. Come on, buddy. And that's what some of us look like in the Spirit. Like if you could put on some Spirit glasses and see us in here during a worship service and God's like calling us. Come on. Come on, buddy. Take a step. I've been calling you for 18 years. Come on, take a step. And we look like that baby like, 
Oh, I want to. Oh, I want to. Ah. God's like, come on, buddy. I've got so much more for you. Taking steps takes guts. Will it work out? I mean, if I were to start tithing, would God supply my needs? I, I can't even afford to pay my bills. It will, if I leave all the toxic relationships that I'm in, then will I be a loner? Because I can't, I don't have any other friends. They're all toxic. They're all like, well, if I take a step in the direction that I need to for me, is it going to work out? That's part of it. It's trust. It's faith. It's stepping out. It's getting past that fear because why? Your dad's telling you, take a step. I know this is good for you. Come on. That's the trust. That's the faith. Taking steps, it takes guts. If I trust God, will it hurt? Believing in a God you can't see, that takes guts. Trusting takes guts. Loving people, that takes guts. Forgiving, even when it hurts. Forgiving, that takes guts. Giving of your time and your talent, your mo- that takes guts. Faith definitely takes guts. And some of us are just grown up babies. Why? Why are we babies? Because we didn't seize the moments. We didn't take the steps when dad was calling us to take a step. So now we're full grown babies laying there still needing to be carried around because we didn't seize the moment. And learn how to walk. And as soon as you learn how to walk, you get to learn how to run. And you learn how to jump. And there's all different things that you can do. You can climb a mountain. You can play basketball. You can. There's so many different things that you can do. But it all starts with a step. And if you never take a step, you can never do any of that. We got to start. We got to take a step. I don't want to be a grown baby in any area of my life. I don't know about y'all. A father knows that if you learn to walk, if you learn to obey, to seize the moment, that then you can run and jump and climb and dance. The abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. The steps are keeping you from where you want to be. Now, For some of you, the step is treatment. And for some of you, the step's counseling. For some of you, be a doctor. For some of you, the step's a gym. For some of you, the step might be broccoli. For some of you, the step is laughter. Laugh a little. For some of you, the step is serving. 
if you're not serving somebody or something bigger than yourself, maybe that's the step. For some of you, maybe tithing. For some of you, it's getting out of bed. It's a step. Your steps probably looks different than mine. For some of you, the step might be apologizing. For some of you, the step is shut up. For some of you, I don't know. You fill in the blank. I know what my steps are. I know some steps that have been laid on my heart and my mind that I need to take. Some areas where I've been comfortable being the full-grown baby laying there waiting to be carried around. It's a step. We want God's promises. I want God's promises, but that's a step. How do I build relationship? Relationships one step at a time. How do you build a healthy marriage? One step at a time. It don't just happen. Trust me. No. It's one step at a time. How do I do big things for God? One step at a time. Pastor Bruce says obedience is a long, steady walk in the same direction. Steps. Step after step. How do I grow? Steps. Seize the moment. Take advantage of the time that you have. Make every day count. Every minute count. Well, how do I find healing and restoration? Steps. I love that we have a church that brings in and welcomes the broken. But then if everything is right, they should find healing and join the army. Right? Like 10, 15 years from now, the broken shouldn't still be in the same broken place and never learning to walk or contribute. I was proud to carry Malachi everywhere he went when he was a baby. Proud of him. He's 17 now. If I still had to carry him everywhere he went, I wouldn't be that proud of that. I'd be like, man, he's a sorry butt. There's nothing wrong with him. Why don't you let him walk? One step at a time, we find healing. Together we heal. Some of us need to walk away from some things, take steps away from toxic people, certain apps, or maybe a job. You know, more money is not always better. Walk away from fear, hurt, unforgiveness. Take steps out of a situation. And some of us need to take steps toward something. Serving, giving, loving, whatever God's calling you to. The wall will come down. And there will be a time for shouting. But you must take the steps. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. Let's pray.
God, we want to get all we can out of life. God, I for one don't want to look back on my life and think, man, where'd the time go? I've I've wasted so much time. I spent so much time on myself. I spent so much time just wasted. I want to look back and see purpose. God, I want to see a legacy. I want to touch hundreds of thousands of people's lives with the good news of the gospel, with grace and mercy and and your love and your light. I want it to shine so bright. I want to enjoy life and laugh and love and and eat good food and enjoy relationships and, and be all that you've called me to be. I can't think of a better way to spend my life. So God, help me to seek your kingdom first. And every day and every moment. To not let anything slip or slide. Help me to love and forgive like never before. I want to change the world. And I believe we as a people can and will. So we're taking a step. Catch us, Dad. If and when we fall. And we promise we're going to take another step. We love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for teaching us. Thank you for injecting some encouragement in our souls today. In Jesus' name.